Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21 Sports for everything. Instagram, looking to become part of the sports betting team at ETOF21 Sports underscore. Everything fantasy football and for my five things from yesterday over on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore fantasy and for free horse racing picks. On Instagram, at etop21sports underscore horse underscore racing. How is everyone doing today? Can we believe it's July 31st? Summer is almost over. Lollapalooza is going on here in Chicago. And God damn it, way too many people on the trains, way too many little shits, drinking alcohol for the last first time. And it is a pain in the motherfucking ass. But better than last year, so I'm not going to motherfucking complain. It's crazy. I can't believe summer's almost over. Football is right around the corner, which brings me to the big announcement. Do this every year, guys. I'm going to start it today because we have a loaded card of Bellator and and UFC. Everything is free until college football starts. So I am pausing memberships because the volume isn't really that high right now. Everything is free until college football starts. Once college football starts, membership plays will be kicked in. I'll be posting free plays here and there on Better Than Vegas. So look for those during the football season. But everything will be free until college football starts. If you're interested in becoming a member, please shoot me a DM and we will start your process about being a football betting member. Also, NFL Draft Guide goes out tomorrow. Guys, I'm telling you, this is 46 pages, over 17,000 words, some of the best work I've ever done. And if you didn't order it, I guess you're not serious about winning your fantasy football championship because this is some of the best work that I've ever done. Stuff is laid out, running back, handcuff grid, top 200, offensive line rankings, team-by-team breakdown with schemes, the round-by-round, like literally there's a round-by-round guide about what to do to draft yourself a fantasy football championship. And if you aren't reading it, in my eyes, you're a fool because it's going to give you the tools you need to win a ship, and that's what it's all about. For those of you who ask about the DFS stuff, I'm still going back and forth about how I'm going to do the DFS stuff. Some of the guys that were in the betting package last year, they really didn't care for it. Some guys loved it. So I really don't know. I'm going back and forth about how I'm going to distribute that information. I'm also thinking about maybe doing a live show, maybe with Gino, maybe by myself, maybe with Sterling, where we preview the slate of games, give some bets, give some DFS stuff. So I'm still kind of going back about that. But guys, that is in the future. Wow. We have a loaded episode today. We have Dylan coming on. Dylan and I are going to talk about all the NBA action from Thursday, the the crazy trade involving the Wizards and the Lakers, the NBA draft, and Scotty from Fantasy Football Wishlist is going to come on and we are going to preview the quarterback position in terms of fantasy. So loaded episode. So let's dive right into it. The first thing I want to talk about is this whole Aaron Rodgers situation. Now, some people are saying that Aaron Rodgers won the situation. How is that even possible? How did he win the situation? It makes zero sense to me. Packers got exactly what they wanted. They got Rodgers to come back. They're getting out from Rodgers' contract, and it's going to give Jordan Love another year to learn and sit and not be thrown to the wolves. In what world 
does this give Aaron Rodgers freedom? Because this is exactly what the Packers wanted. The Packers wanted him to play this year, and then they're just going to cut him, and they're going to take the 20 million or 30, whatever, 40, whatever million salary cap hit. But now, with Rodgers voiding that last year, they got exactly what they wanted. And we have to face it, the Packers are going to be one of the better teams in the NFC. And with the improvements that they've made on defense, it's not far-fetched. They make it to the Super Bowl or even win the Super Bowl. So if the Packers win the Super Bowl, do you really think Aaron Rodgers is going to leave? That guy's an egocentric asshole. And he's not going to leave if they make it to the Super Bowl and win it, which is very feasible. So I don't understand how people are saying, hey, the Packers lost, Aaron Rodgers won. No, the Packers got exactly what they motherfucking wanted. It blows my mind how people can't see that. And they have their quarterback and future waiting for one of the 39-year-old Rodgers hits the high road. Guys, we got to open up our eyes and understand what is going on. Also, yesterday was the MLB trading deadline. Wow. My two winners are obviously the Dodgers. Dodgers are trailing the Giants in the NL West looking to repeat as World Series champions. They added Max Slurzer and... Trey Turner, and they gave up good prospects. But when you sit back and look at it, they gave up the same prospects that basically the Twins gave up for Jose Barrios. So when you sit back and look at the ROI that the Twins got versus what the Dodgers got, the Dodgers got stuff that's going to help them immediately compete for a title right now. And giving, yeah, they gave up some prospects, but not as much as you would think for people like Scherzer and and uh, Turner. Yankees. Yankees obviously have struggled scoring some runs, especially they need some bats, some lefty bats. They added Gallo and Rizzo. If the pitching can maintain the level, even get a little bit better, I mean, they have a great bullpen. And if they can just hit, I mean, this is going to be huge for them as they make that playoff push because their bats have been a little bit stale. So this is Two great ads. So if Rizzo and Gallo can go to New York and handle the media, because when you're in New York, the media is just 20 times. People just don't get that. The pressure of the media is just insane. So that's why some people go to New York and they have a huge amount of pressure and just can't handle it. But I think those guys will be good. And I think it will definitely help the Yankees make a push toward a World Series and possibly a World Series championship. Obviously, the losers, Trevor Story. Oh my God, he wants to leave. I don't understand how is the Rockies don't trade him. He's going to be a free agent. He wants to get the fuck out of town. You have a chance to get anything from him, anything at all. You definitely take that, take that, leave, move on. And you don't do that. That makes zero motherfucking sense to me, and just shows you how bad that organization is ran. The fact they didn't take what they could, add some prospects, get some ROI on the player, and move on. Really speaks a lot of volumes. And then then lastly, the Mets. I mean, I know they added Javi Baez. Javi Baez for me, yeah, you got him and Lindor, but Baez isn't the Baez from the Cubs. And even when, from the Cubs won, excuse me, when he was there, he struggled a lot had some awful strikeouts always trying to hit a home run i'm not a big Baez guy yeah he's a flashy name but is he really enough that's going to allow you to keep the lead in the nl east and more importantly jacob Degrom is out until september you just lost the best pitcher in baseball out until september and you did nothing to improve that staff behind him and replace him 
So not even replace him. You can't even fucking replace Jacob DeGrom. You have to just put a band-aid on the situation. Who even knows if September comes, is he going to be able to pitch playoff baseball? You, Because he's always been banged up this year, and it seems like it's one injury after another. And you lost the best pitcher in baseball, and you didn't do anything to at least band-aid the situation? You're definitely a loser in my book. I'm sorry. Also, in terms of betting, guys, I love this time of year because... You see these guys with these bets and betting, you know, you play the best number. I've had a couple bad beats this week. Hey, I'm not going to lose sleep. It happens. But nothing I find more comical than when a bet has zero chance of hitting and you see some hack gloat about it. That's the funny shit that post that just makes me fucking laugh. I love that shit. But anyway, great show today, like I said, and let's jump right into it. Wow. What a night with the NBA draft and... Last week, we had Dylan, DC Sports Guy, come on, and him and I went over our top 14 draft picks, and I'm going to have him on again today, and we're going to talk about the crazy night with the NBA draft and the blockbuster trade that went on. So let's welcome Dylan to the show. Dylan, how you doing, my man? Hey, what's going on, Eric? Thanks for having me on again. Oh, anytime, man. You're more than welcome anytime you want to come on and talk sports. And NBA draft kind of limped into it with no real big news, and then it came out that the Lakers were looking to add Buddy Heal. And then Sham came and trumped the Wojo bomb and said it's actually going to be Russell Westbrook that the Lakers were going to be adding, which is a huge blockbuster trade. I mean, what uh, what do you think about this trade? Yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, you know, the Shams versus uh, Woj uh, thing going on last night. I thought that was hysterical. Usually Woj is, you know, the go-to guy and, Shams is right there behind him, but Shams uh, overtook him, like you said. Um, so my thoughts on the trade are, I I don't know if I love the fit there with the Lakers, but I understand what they're trying to do. So, like, they're just trying to, you know, conserve LeBron during the regular season so they could have a guy like LeBron in Russell Westbrook almost take his role during the regular season so LeBron could stay rested and healthy if he needs to in the um, in the regular season. But I, I don't love the return for the Wizards. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get much back for Westbrook. But, I mean, um, I could definitely see Kuz possibly being on the move. I mean, I heard KCP's really close with Beal, so I don't see him being on the move. I like the Harold fit with the Wizards. They've really needed a big. Um, so I think it was a, a pretty fair trade because, like I said earlier, the Lakers aren't, I mean, the Wizards are not going to get a ton back for Westbrook. So it was pretty much just a salary dump, which I totally understand. And I heard they might be targeting uh, Spencer Dinwiddie to try and fill his space. I love Spencer Dinwiddie ever back since his Colorado days. Let's talk about the Wizards aspect of this first. When we look at this Wizards team, they're going to be getting Thomas Bryant back from injury, Hamochiwari, the kid from Gonzaga. You have Birkins, who I've never seen him hit a three-pointer in the game, but people tell him he's a great three-point shooter. Um, Bradley Beal, you're getting Kuzma, you're getting Montrez, um, you're getting Pope and Bradley Beal. I mean, if they keep Beal and hypothetically, let's say, get Spencer Dinwiddie, that team isn't that bad, and they could easily make the bottom of the playoffs and compete a little bit but is the next domino to fall with them Beal being traded 
I really don't think so, primarily because, like you said, like they're, they're not bad. They've got a pretty good roster. I mean, they they have the cap space now after getting rid of Westbrook to go and make a move to go get, acquire a star or, uh, a, you know, a close two-star level player in a Spencer Dinwiddie. I think this team is going to um, make some noise in the East because I think Rui's going to take the next step up. Rui Hachimura, yeah. I'm a big fan of his game. And in the Olympics, he, he's been playing absolutely phenomenal. So I would really like to see um, Beal stay in Washington's, give it a try. Yeah, I mean, I really think this team has an opportunity to at least get in that play-in game, which, you know, and kind of see what happens. Because Beal is kind of that guy that no one really understands how actually good he is because he's in Washington. Kind of like Drew Holiday. No one knew how Drew, good Drew Holiday was on both sides of the ball. And I really think given the opportunity with the right pieces around him, Beal could get a team far in the playoffs, but he definitely needs a little bit of help. Now, in terms of the Lakers, oh my God. We need to remember, I think they only have five people under contract right now. So obviously, my thought process is, and it was reported today, that Westbrook and LeBron had to have talked, and there had to have been a agreement about how egos were going to be managed and Westbrook would have to accept he was going to kind of be third fiddle but like you said some games in the regular season he's going to take over and be the man because LeBron is resting but my worry is what is the rest of the roster going to look like as of right now their leading three-point shooter still under contract is Mark Gasol and that's just not going to cut it you, you definitely need to get some space eaters in there, people that can, you know, stretch the floor out. And that way, because they will get open looks. Because mm-hmm. when teams run two at you, you're going to make the rack. LeBron and Westbrook will make the right play and kick it to the guy in the corner. And, and if they can hit an open three like Connington and Tucker were able to do for the Bucks, this team with those three, yeah, I could... I could see him winning a championship, but like you said, it's really hard to like come up with what if it's going to work because you don't know what the rest of the roster is going to look like. So it's kind of a tough question to ask. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that move to get Westbrook kind of tips the cap that Chris Paul is going to stay in Phoenix? Yeah, I would think so because I think the real like best fit for Paul would have been the Lakers. But I think, you know, where else is he going to go where he can have the same type of um, ending of a season where he's in the finals, he's right there, other than, you know, Phoenix and L.A. And there really aren't that many teams where he could go jump ship to and um, compete right away because they don't have the salary cap space, you know, some of these teams. So I I think definitely staying. I really feel like they went to Paul and were just like, hey, man, what's going on? And Paul was like, well, I'm going to test the market. And the Lakers didn't want to wait because they didn't want to be left out about without having a point guard. But, yeah, I really think, like, this team definitely needs a lot. But Rob Plink is good enough. He's not going to make that move unless he has a plan in place, a plan A, plan B, plan C. So it's really tough to, uh, tough to say. The other big thing was – now, we're not going to talk about the Mason Plumley trade to the Hornets, which obviously was the big trade of the night last night, but um, the draft. Let's um, hear your thoughts. 
first pick, second pick, third pick went uh, as expected. But what the hell happened with the fourth pick? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so with the fourth pick, I mean, uh, Scotty Barnes got taken instead of who many thought would have been the pick there, Jalen Suggs. I think with the Barnes pick, I think that Siakam's done in Toronto. I think it's just a matter of time um, for when he gets traded because there seems to be a bit of a disconnect, and I think we touched on this um, the last time I was on, that there seems to be a disconnect with the front office and the head coaching with Siakam. So I can definitely see him being gone. But I, I really like Barnes. Barnes is a winner. Um, Barnes can handle the ball for a big guy. He can shoot a little bit, but it still um, needs to be worked on. So if he gets his three-point percentage up a bit, I mean, he could be a really good player for the Raptors. And the fact that they didn't take Suggs just really blows my mind because Suggs would have been the perfect guy to fill in for Kyle Lowry. Suggs can do basically everything you need in a player. I mean, he's and he's another guy who's a winner, and he takes those big shots, and he proved that he could hit them. But does that suggest, though, that they're going to keep Lowry, though? Because if you have basically a, repla- a no-brainer replacement, but you don't draft him, doesn't that kind of say, hey, I, we're going to re-sign Lowry? Yeah, that would make a ton of sense. I just, I don't know if Lowry 100% wants to be there because I think Lowry wants to go, you know, go get another ring because, you know, he's at the end of his career. This is probably the last big contract he's going to get. So if he's going to get a big contract, I think he'd rather have it with a team that's closer to winning a championship. And then in terms of Barnes, like, I, I'll be the first to admit, like he's got a high ceiling, athletically freaky, great on the defensive end. But in this NBA, it's all about shooting. If you can't shoot, you can't get on the court. You know, you need need to be a respectable shooter so that way the defense doesn't constantly sag off of you. And my worry is that Barnes's floor is Stanley Johnson, and he's yeah. just a journeyman player who bounces back and forth between the G League and the um and being the ni- the ninth, eleventh man on the bench, just because Barnes had the same issues. Great on the defensive end, needed to work on his jump shot, and it just never matured. So that'd be my big worry with Scotty Barnes. Um now another thing we'll I'm sure that both of us have the magic as a winner in the draft, so we'll talk about the magic net later. Okay. Um let's jump to the sixth pick. What is OKC doing? Oh, I was completely shocked and disappointed by this pick. I mean, Giddy I had as, you know, my 17th or 18th best player in this class. I, I really didn't view him as highly as some others did because he really can't shoot and he's not all that athletic. Um, but, I mean, the, the fit with Shea does make sense because Shea's a good shooter and a good scorer. So I guess putting a, a nice ball handler next to him isn't t- all that bad. But they really could have traded down, or they probably could have even moved up from 16 or 18 to go get Giddy if they really wanted to. I really didn't think he was going to go that high. I'm really not a big fan of his. Yeah, that seriously made no sense to me. And when you have Jonathan Kamorja just sitting right there, and your OKC and your whole thing is we're going to take swings, like this guy fell basically to your lap and you don't take him. I mean, that just... Mm-hmm. That just was a real head-scratcher to me. Let's uh, jump down now to another head-scratching pick. The Sacramento Kings. I Both you and I like Mitchell as a player, but you oh. already have 
Fox. You already have Hellenberg. So how is Mitchell going to fit into this? How is he even going to get on the court? Yeah, so that's the same thing with, like, the Magic, where, like, they both picked great players. I just don't see the fit there because they're, they're you know, got a logjam at guard. I mean, like you said, they drafted Halliburton last year. They have Fox already. I really just think he'll probably be the sixth man for this team. And they passed on some guys like, you know, Book Knight, where he could have probably played and been a wing on – on that um, starting rotation, maybe uh, I mean they Kuminga already went. Um, Kispert Kispert could have been a good fit for them. They need some shooting help. So I mean, it just really wows me what some of these teams do in the draft. Like like they just obviously followed by you know best player available, and some teams do that, and then others you know will reach for their guy, which we saw a lot last night. And then others will pick by position, but we didn't really see a lot of guys, a lot of teams, you know, go by what they needed as far as um, this draft. And then let's go to the 10th pick. So Memphis trades their best player the last three weeks of the season to take on Eric Bledsoe, Steven Adams, and to gain the 10th pick where I'm thinking, okay, there's a plan. They have someone that they're going to draft someone they wouldn't be able to get at 17, and you take Zaire Williams? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I get it. You know, he was very high coming out of high school, but his one year at Stanford wasn't that good. What What's going on with the Grizz, man? Yeah, so I, I'm totally with you on that. Like That really surprised me, too. That was, like, almost as shocking as Giddy at six. Um Williams, I mean, he has a ton of potential, but he's just so skinny. He's got a small frame. He was dealing with injuries at Stanford. He didn't play all that well when he was there. Um, there were guys like Book Knight that were available that I thought would have been a perfect fit alongside uh, John Morant because they really need some shooting. And although, you know, Book Knight didn't have the greatest percentages at UConn, I think he's a much better shooter because he was getting double teamed and he was the only, you know, go-to guy at UConn. So... I think he's going to be a much better pro, and I'm really surprised that they passed on him. And the thing that's going to help Bookwright in the league is we need to remember that there's no zone defense. You know what I mean? Like, a big can't just plant his ass in the lane. People have to, like, stay kind of in their area, even though there are zones. And that's just going to open up space and the lane for Boatwright to be a playmaker or to be a scorer. So... I think his game is actually going to play better in college. Excuse me, better in the NBA than it did um, in college. Now let's shift down two spots. It's it's hard to question the San Antonio Spurs. It really is. Mm-hmm. But I think Primo could develop into a great player. But I think they could have gotten him later in the draft. I think them taking him at twelve. A little bit of a stretch. I would have liked him to see the take the Turkish big man, um, the guy that was the MVP in the Turkish league, or either the kid Kispert from Gonzaga. Like they, because they definitely definitely need some shooting. But they're taking a project guy when you already have Murray and White. You know, they just there just seems to me they have, have nothing. They're just swimming in wing players. What about the Spurs pick? 
Yeah, so the Spurs pick, like you said, I think it was a reach. I'm a big fan of Primo, but I'm a big fan of him at the end of the first round, you know? So I really didn't love this pick here. I think it was a big reach. Um, and like you said, they just have so many guards and wings on this roster that a guy like Shengun just makes too much sense for them to uh, pass up on. Because I think the only, you know, legit big man on their roster, and I wouldn't even say he's legit, is Jakob Pertl. And they're still very thin at that position, so I'm really shocked that um, they didn't draft Shengun there. Now let's drop all the way down to 18. They already took a guard, a point guard. And the Oklahoma City backed that up by taking another point guard, Trey Mann. Um, what do you think about that pick? I like Trey Mann as a player. I honestly like him better than I do uh, Josh Giddy, which is actually pretty funny. Um, so Mann is a really good shooter. He he has the ability to play make, but I think he's better served as an off-ball guard. He, the funny thing is he actually reminds me a lot of Shea. Maybe not as good as of a defender, but the way he creates space and the way he moves on the court reminds me a ton of Shea. Now, another pick that was kind of a head-scratcher to me, and both both of us agree, hey, this guy's got a world of talent. But the Hawks have Herter, Hunter, Reddish, and all their contracts are coming up at the same time. Now... Mm-hmm. What you know what I mean? I get it. You, you're take you're you're trying to swing for the fence. You may you may have something, but now you have all these wings. Plus you got Bogdanovich. Like you can't play five wings. You know what I mean? Like it just I don't know. There's so they definitely I think they need to move Reddish, but we'll save that for another talking point. What do you think of the Jalen Johnson pick? Yeah, so like you said, they, they're swinging through the fences with this pick. Um, I'm really not a big fan of Johnson, like like we discussed, you know, how he quit on his teammates and all that. And also the fact that he that foot injury is just a mess. And then the fact that they picked him where they could have picked, you know, some other impact players that are also wings kind of, you know, it was a bit of a head scratcher. But like you said, they're, they're very, um, very, heavy, very heavy at the forward position. So... I just question, like, why Johnson there, where they could have either, A, moved the pick, where they could have just gotten rid of it like the Knicks did for a future first, or, B, they could have tried and move move up in the draft, which I heard they tried to do, but I think they probably should have tried harder to do that and get, you know, more impact players for right now. Yeah, someone that could push the needle. Because even if Johnson pans out, he's not going to pan out for a couple years. He's just going to be sitting at the end of your bench. Exactly. Um, now, let's go down to number 25, your New York Knicks. Um, yes. Quentin Grimes. Now, I had quite a few guards ahead of Grimes. I really don't think he's going to be that impactful of a player in the NBA. And he struggled a lot when he played against bigger schools and he dominated Houston playing against lesser competition. I think he's really going to struggle to get past and create space athletically to be able to do anything on the NBA level. What do you think of the pick by your boys? Yeah. So I think the Knicks were just completely inept in this draft. They could have ended up walking away with Kai Jones, Keon Johnson, and then they could have drafted Deuce McBride, which they end up doing later on, but they could have had him at the 32 pick. So, I mean, it was just a 
complete um, screw-up for the Knicks. And Grimes is a good shooter. He, like you said, I, I think he's going to have trouble trying to get by defenders. And um, I think he'll just be primarily used in that bullet role where he's just going to, you know, sit there and try and move around the three-point line as much as he can to try and um, catch one of the – one of the terrible passes that will be incoming from Julius Randle as he's double teams, you know, and try and chuck up threes. Now, we need to talk, like you and I have talked about back and forth through messages about Cooper from Auburn. He <clears throat> fell like no other. I mean, there was talks about him going top top 20 in this draft. He fell yeah. all the way to 48. Now, what do you think about A, the Hawks pick, and B, what he'll be able to bring, if anything, to the Hawks. I was totally floored that he fell that far. I honestly had him outside of my top 10. Um, well, not for the draft, but for my big board, I had him outside of my top 10. And I've just been very high on his playmaking ability and his vision, and the, the his ability to pass with both hands was really put on full display at at Auburn. And he also has the ability to score the ball. So I'm, I was just really shocked that he fell that far and someone didn't take a chance on him earlier. Because, like, once he started to fall, there were just so many teams that passed on him continuously. Like, they had multiple picks, and they still passed on him. Um, I really like this ad for the, the Hawks. This will have um, They'll have someone now to run their second unit, which I think they tried to look for in the Bogdanovich trade. I think they wanted kind of him to play alongside Trey, but then be able to run the second unit if he had to. But he really wasn't great at that. So I think Cooper could really do that, and I think that is an awesome pick for the Atlanta Hawks. I think in that role of being the backup, I think he's he'll he'll have a spot in this league. But I don't think you can win if he's your starting point guard. I think. A bench role player, yeah, I think I could I could see it, but a starter on a championship team, I I just don't see it with him. Um, so that was kind of like some first round picks that kind of shocked both you and I. Um, now we're gonna talk about our winners and our losers, and I I was only I was able to n- narrow my winners down to five. I have five teams drafts that I actually like. I like. Even though I only told you three, so I apologize for that. And then I have three, totally fine. three players, three teams that um, drafts I didn't like. So let's let's drop. Let's start with our losers. Um, what was one of the teams the draft you just didn't like? Like we previously mentioned, I really didn't like the Thunder's draft. At least in the first round, I think they had um, a solid second round. But drafting two point guards essentially in Giddy and Trey Mann. I really didn't love that. Um, I think they could have gone in a multitude of directions. They passed on guys like Kuminga, like we said, Book Knight, Keon Johnson, Davion Mitchell, Moses Moody, and Kispert, who I all think would have been better picks at number six for the Thunder. Thunder on my list, too, because think about this. If you're A, you're the Thunder, you draft um, Jonathan Kamora, the G League Unite kid, who I think has insane potential in this league and could be an all-star in this league. And then with the 16th pick, you don't trade it to the Rockets. You keep it and you draft Sugan, the center from Turkey, 
Then you got some insanely high-end dudes. You know what I mean? Like, you got some high-end guys with, excuse me, high-end potential guys to throw in with everybody. I really think that this rebuild is going to be taking a lot longer than people think because all those reports are coming out. Like, they tried to trade up to one with the uh, six pick and uh, Gildas Alexander. So I don't even know. You know, like, are you going to move Gildas or Alexander now? So I think this Thunder rebuild is going to take a lot longer than I anticipated. And I think they whiffed on two players that could be very impactful in this league in three to four years. Um, um, if I could just add one more yeah. thing. They whiffed last year, too. Last year was an atrocious draft for them with Pokuszewski and uh, Teo Maladon. So, I mean, if they continue to do this, they'll use all their picks and there'll be nothing. Kind of like the Celtics. Celtics had all those picks, and they refused, absolutely refused to part with any of them. And Mm -hmm. now Ainge is gone. And that's a good point because if hypothetically, let's say they viewed Green, Cunningham, Mobley, whoever, you have so many picks, get off your ass, trade up, and throw a barrage of picks at people. So that, you know, I just, I don't know, like, it's hard to question Sam Presti because of what he's done and the assets that he's accumulated and everything and getting Durant yeah, and getting Harden. Like, like, even like a Lou yeah. Dort who was undrafted, he, yeah. he found him. He's been great for them. So, I mean, it, it is, like you said, it's very hard to question him because, you know, maybe there's a method to his mad. But it's just, I don't know. I'm really having a hard time understanding the thought process. Um, the next team that you whose draft you didn't like was whose? The New York Knicks. What? Yeah, so the, the Knicks just... Uh, I, I was so disappointed. I was, I was not happy at all. Like I said, they could have had Kai Jones, Sharif Cooper, and Keon Johnson, who I all think would have been huge and highly impacted players for them. Um, and they're all top 15 guys, yet they traded out of 19, and they got, I believe it was, a future first. Then they traded down from 21 to 25 in order to draft Grimes while only netting a second-round pick in 2024. So I was just really disappointed with how they handled this draft. It almost seemed like one or two of their guys um, that they really liked was not on the board when they picked, so they just panicked and traded out of those spots. Yeah, which is just... They they whiffed for sure, and especially with the unknown with Mitchell Robinson. You know, I I like Mitchell Robinson, but anytime a big has a lower body injury, his long term um, capability of playing, I always start worrying about. And you have a chance to draft the kid Jones from Texas. I think that totally would have made sense. I'm gonna go to the Raptors. I just it just blows my mind. You have a chance to draft Jalen Suggs. And you draft Scotty Barnes, and in a league where it's all about shooting, you draft someone that can't make a three throw. He shot 62% at Florida State, and he shot less than 30% from three-point land. So unless your developmental coaches feel that they can just get through to this guy and correct his obvious errors in his shooting form, it it was a huge mistake in my eyes. I just think that's going to be the pick where we just kind of – sit back and go, what the hell were you thinking? Um, 
Next team, your last loser is who? My last loser is the Memphis Grizzlies. So, like we said, you know, with trading Valanciunas just to get Zaire Williams and to take on two miserable contracts is completely mind-boggling to me because, like we said, Zaire Williams had dealt with injuries, um, wasn't great at Stanford, and honestly, he's he's got a small frame, so I'm, can, I'm still worried that he may continue to get injured at the next level. So that was just a very um, concerning pick for the Grizzlies. And the, the reason that frame matters is if you are driving to the hole and get constantly bumped and constantly banged, that's just going to take a toll. They showed those mm-hmm. pictures of Giannis after the finals game. He had scratches all over his shoulders. And Durant is showing, like, you can be thin and, like, be successful in this league. But Durant's got some muscle on him. You know what I mean? He's got at least some sort of And he's one of the best shooters we've ever seen. So So that just doesn't, I don't know. Like, that was my other loser. That's a real real head-scratcher for me and something that, you know, I wasn't really, you know, a fan of. My, My loser is actually... I, I did have the Grizzlies, but I'm going to change it to a player. And it's Mitchell. I mean, this guy is going to Sacramento, which is the fucking yes. deathbed of an NBA player. I yeah, mean, he's not even going there as a starter either. He's going there as a backup, which is even worse. Yeah, and Fox isn't going to be coming off the court. I don't even think you can play Fox and Mitchell together. And mm-hmm. there's no way in hell you can play... Fox, Mitchell, and and Halliburton, Halliburton together. Unless you're playing a team that's really small. Unless you're playing a team like the Suns. If you're playing a team that's lacking size, okay, yeah, I can do that. But mm-hmm. it's just out of all the places he could go, that was probably the worst place for him. And it, it stinks to say because you accomplished your goal as a as a player. You made the NBA, and you're going to mm-hmm. the Sacramento Kings. Oh my God, I feel you got to feel for that kid, especially after. Going to Auburn, basically getting run out of Auburn because they were went. With, I think he transferred because they started recruiting Cooper, and now mm-hmm. you go to Baylor, you lead them to a ship, and now you get drafted by the fucking Sacramento Kings. I, I legitimately feel for that guy because I think that guy is a winner, and it kind of was a head scratcher that you saw some guys in good situations get dra- in good situations for Mitchell getting drafted there. Um, so I have I have five winners. So I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with two of mine um, first. Okay. My first one is the Nets. The Nets I felt yeah, really, great. really lacked some scoring, and for them to get Thomas from LSU and Zarakowski from Creighton, they got guys that can come off the bench and get buckets. They don't need, you know what I mean? They don't need to start, just come in, microwave, get buckets, get off the court. And that's what they're going to need because who knows what you're going to get from Kyrie. You know what I mean? Kyrie could need to take a break, disappear, whatever. Or I'm hearing rumors they could trade him. Harden's coming off a soft tissue injury. And Durant, you know, is one of the better players ever. But he's gets banged up a lot and, frail and takes days off. I think the Nets did a great job for where their picks were. 
I definitely agree. Um, I really love the Daron Sharp and uh, Raekwon uh, Gray uh, picks to help that front court. That front court was very thin last year. You saw guys like Bruce Brown, you know, playing the power forward position, and I think that really shores up their front court and could give them some really talented players there instead of having to throw Bruce Brown in there. And the thing is, this is also like my buddy works for the Heat. He tells me he goes. The one thing with young guys is when they come in, they they'll play hard. They may hit that rookie wall, but they're gonna play hard when they're in. And when those veterans, you know, a Wednesday night in Charlotte, they may not be the best effort. You know what I mean? But those young guys, they're gonna come in. They're gonna bust it. Um, why, what's one of your winners? We'll see if we have the same. One of my winners is the Warriors. You have Kaminga just fall right into your lap, which I think is phenomenal. I thought he was a top five pick for sure and a top five talent. And then they also landed Moses Moody at 14, who is one of the best 3 and D guys in this entire draft. Although, you know, he may not have a quick change of speeds or um, quick acceleration or a quick first step. Uh I think he could be a very good catch-and-shoot guy for them that could also play defense. And the fact that they got Kaminga to play that almost Harrison Barnes role I think is a phenomenal fit because now they don't have to rely on Andrew Wiggins being that go-to guy. And in a couple of years, they could rely on Kaminga being um, that guy, you know, who isn't going to take the large workload, um, but he'll – He'll be deferred to sometimes when Courier plays double team, and he'll be relied on to make a big shot, which I think he can do. I mean, it was. I think it was great. I mean, they got a guy in Mooney, and they were one of my winners too. That can come in and help you win a championship right away. He can help them compete next year. He's going to get vet minutes. He's going to get valuable minutes because he is a three and D spacer, like you said. And then you took a a developmental guy, and your developmental system is one of the better ones in the league. And mm-hmm. yeah, now get just this think guy. about what this roster looks like after these two picks. So now you got Curry, you got Clay. Hopefully, he comes back from injury. Um, all okay. Um, you got Wiseman, Draymond, Wiggins, potentially Ubre still if they want to bring him back. Jordan Poole, Eric Pascal, and then Kaminga and Moody. That is a phenomenal roster. I'm really excited for what they're going to do next year. Yeah, and all that depends is Clay healthy. I really. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. And also, it kind of sets the Warriors up because those guys, Clay, Curry, they're getting toward the tail end of their careers. You got Mooney. Mooney could be that guy that plays in the league forever and is just Mr. Reliable, making a three-pointer, no big deal. May mess around, make an all-star game here and there. And then you got Kamorja, who could develop into an all-star. So, I mean, you got some pieces that can help you right away and could develop into great to good players later down the road. Home run job by the Warriors. Who's another one of your winners? Um, Another one of my winners is the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons, I thought, you know, they had to take Cade. Even though he's not the number one guy on my board, he's the number two guy. Um, Cade definitely has the potential to be the best player in this class, and I feel like they needed that guy where he has the huge upside. Um... And I also like their second round as well. I think Isaiah Livers was a great pick, the kid out of Michigan. Um, he could really shoot the three ball, and he's very athletic, could, could guard multiple positions. Um, and then they drafted Luca Garza to help their front court uh, depth after they traded uh, Mason Plumley, like you said, that big trade. You know how 
Um, and Garza has shown the ability to stretch the floor in college, so I really like this um, draft for the Pistons. I mean, this is a home run. Just an absolute home run by the Pistons. You got Cade, who I think is going to be that transcendent player, someone that is able to elevate people, and he wants to be there. And that's the hard thing about Detroit. And I'm from Michigan. I grew up in Michigan. Great state. Love it. Detroit is a vastly underrated city. And he wants to be there, which is great. Um, You get Luca Garza, who can come in. And, I mean, if he plays 10 minutes, 15 minutes a game, he's going to bust his ass and he's going to try. He's limited what he can do defensively. But he's going to be able to get you some buckets. And Livers proved how valuable he was when he went out for Michigan. I really feel Michigan would have actually won the national title if Livers didn't get hurt with his shooting and his playmaking ability. I think Detroit is getting closer and closer to actually like being that 5-6 seed in the, uh, in the East than people realize. And I, I think it's realistic that at worst they're in the 8-9 playoff. For, uh, yeah, I think they're definitely in the play-in. I think they're honestly a lock to be in the play-in with this roster. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's set up great for them. And who knows? Like, what this roster needs now is once this the young guys, Stewart, Bay, Cunningham, and if Hayes develops, once they get going and then you get that free agent that isn't a max free agent but that tier below someone like a john collins and you have like money and you can pay him that's when you're gonna see this team just creep up on people and explode and who knows like it's all about hitting on picks if cunningham turns out to be a a god and the basketball court like this team could be going places and going places quick the player comp that i'm hearing a lot about is grant hill and I see that. I really see. I really see the comparisons. That's uh, if it could, if it could be Grant Hill, that would be awesome. But that's not. Yeah. That's not. Uh, I go jump into conclusions. Um. So, who was your last winner? My last winner is the Charlotte Hornets. Like we mentioned, you know, Book Knight fell a bit, and um, to hit have him and Lamelo Ball in the same backcourt is just crazy to think that they could have such great scores in the backcourt. Um, and I think LaMelo Ball really helped Book Knight, you know, create, um, help create space for him, even though he's great at that already. He'll, um, draw more attention, so he'll be able, Ball will be able to, you know, drive, kick out the Book Knight. Book Knight hitting open threes is just something that I think Charlotte fans are going to be seeing for years and years. Um, and then I love the Jones pick at 19, trading, um, with the Knicks. So they basically got two guys that, if they picked either of those two at 11, those would have been great picks, and I would have given them an A-plus draft. And now I'm giving them an A-plus-plus a, a plus draft just because they got such great value. Now, it's also important to remember that this team has Terry Rozier, too. So that is quite a dynamic little backcourt. Now, do you know off the top of your head is Dan... Deontay Graham, is he a restricted free agent or is he just a free agent? Yeah, I believe Devontae Graham is a restricted free agent. So, I mean, right there, I mean, that's a great four-headed monster. And you could actually re-sign Graham and he could be a nice little trade piece because there are teams that are going to want him with how good he did. My only issue is that, I mean, is there enough ball to go around? 
You know what I mean? Because you That's have totally Rogier, yeah. Boatwright, Gordon Hayward. You know, you have guys that kind of need the ball. And don't get me wrong, for what Boatwright can do, I think it's great. I think it's a great pick, but that's my worry. I think the Jones pick was an absolute fucking home run. I mean, that kid can rebound. He can rotate on defense, and Mm -hmm. he can step out and make a shot. I think that pick was a phenomenal pick, and it immediately addresses something where they need it. You said it last time we talked. They haven't had a big man since fucking Al Jefferson. You know what I mean? Like crazy. This that was a absolute home run in my eyes. Um my and like you said with um I'm sorry to interrupt, but like you like you said with the you know, they have a, a bunch of guards. Use those as trade chips to get more front court pieces. I think I could see um Devontae Graham being in a signing trade potentially this offseason. And I could also see Rozier possibly getting dealt at the deadline if Booknight shows um, a ton of promise in the first half of the season. And Rozier is on the last um, last year of his contract. So, I mean, yep. right there, right there, right there because of that makes him more valuable. Um, my two other winners, I, I have to say the Magic. I know they have a mm. roster of 12. They have 55 million fucking point guards now, but... You have Suggs, who both you and I agree on that's going to be the best rookie in the class next year. He's the most NBA player ready. If you can get him going and the franchise going in the right direction, you have a chance to become relevant because people need to remember, Florida has no state income tax. So if I'm an NBA player and I have Team X offering me whatever, $25 million, $40 million, whatever a year with an income tax and the Magic offering me the same or maybe even a little less because at the end of the day, it would be more money because I'm not paying any fucking income taxes. Okay. So, yep. I mean, if he can just go there and just make that just a little relevant, I think that's going to be great. And that could be a team like they have a million and two point guards. Mm-hmm. Who says they don't trade one to the Lakers? Because the Lakers desperately need one right now. So yeah, maybe the Lakers, maybe the Knicks now says they didn't draft a, um, you know, a star point guard early in the draft or um, anything. So I could definitely see maybe a Fultz trade to New York. That which would be great, which would be great for Fultz and great, great for your boys. I mean, I really think the Magic took somebody that could help take the franchise back to where it was during the Penny days and the. Um, Shaq Day is a team that makes it deep in the playoffs, makes it to one final. Because they definitely are at a place where they can attract a star just because of their taxes. Um, My last winner is the Houston Rockets. They took Jalen Green, who has the potential to be an all-NBA player. I think he's going to be the best scorer in this draft. And at the NBA, is all about getting buckets. I think that was a home run pick. Also, they added the Turkish big man. Now, I found it interesting that during ESPN's broadcast, all the analytics people loved this guy from Turkey. I really found that interesting. That's who they had in the top of their draft. And if he just develops into, let's say, the person who was on the commentary, he kept saying, 
the next uh who do you say joker that yeah. that's a stretch that is obviously a fucking stretch i'm not saying he's going to be that but if he could at least i think he said sabonis if he could develop into sabonis you have sabonis green christian wood you know what i mean like that's yeah, a night kpj was phenomenal in the latter half of the year for them yeah i mean that's just i they're they're adding pieces, they're retooling, and they're doing it in a way that makes sense. And that's what you like to see. Like some of these picks, like you just kind of sit back and you're like, what are you doing? But I really feel at least with the Rockets, they have something going and they're trying to go in the uh, in the right direction and everything. Dylan, my man. Dude. Oh, sorry. I wanted to just add one thing real yeah. quick. Um, so the thing, uh, the thing I like about the Rockets draft too and what they've been seeming to do is they're getting a ton of combo guards they also drafted josh christopher and i think what's his name uh green could handle the ball a bit too so i think you have kpj who can play on and off the ball you have christopher who can play on and off the ball and then you have jalen green who can play on and off the ball i absolutely love those fits there for houston and it's it's a guard centric league right now the big man is dying in the nba guard centric need you need to be in the wing to make the shot so that's a great point they're getting all the position that you need and if one of these guys hits they got something just go with it and uh and build for your future dylan my man i appreciate it that you're coming on i just got a jeff parsons bomb if you will chris bryant to the giants initial reaction on that yeah so chris bryant i mean he's having a, a great bounce back season um and the giants seem to be you know the surprise contender this year. They're leading the NL West, which I think is shocking. And they can't just let, you know, the Dodgers make a move where they can potentially get um, Turner and Scherzer. I'm pretty sure it's not finalized yet, but that seems to be um, happening. So, I mean, you can't just sit there and let them do that and then, you know, let your fan base down. I mean, it's they get a bat and you got to be able to score runs. And Bryant has proven that he has what it takes to win a ship and he can play third, he can play the outfield, he can play a couple different positions. So, you know, I like it. But it's crazy to think that you look at the Cubs now, like that roster, no Rizzo, no Bryant, no Baez, no Lester. You know, completely deprived of talent. It's it's crazy. Completely gone. But uh, Dylan, my man, thank you for coming on, talking NBA. Draft, NBA trades, some little late-breaking MLB news. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, thanks again so much for having me on. Um, again, uh, I just had a really good time. Uh, so you can follow me at DC underscore sports guy on Instagram and at TikTok. I really don't post on my TikTok that much, so I'd recommend you follow my Instagram for most of my um, coverage on sports. Awesome, man. We're definitely going to have to touch base and uh, have you on again. I appreciate your time. You have a, have a good day, my man. Absolutely. Thanks. You too. I want to thank Dylan for coming on, guys. If you're not following Dylan, make sure you do. Now we're going to shift our attention, and Scotty from Fantasy Football Wishlist is going to come on. We're going to talk a little fantasy football. We are back with week two of Fantasy Football Outlook. That is when Scotty from Fantasy Football Wishlist comes on. Him and I break down a position and we tell you our top five, who we like, who we don't like going into next year. So let's welcome Scotty back to the show. Scotty, how you doing, my man? Doing great, my man. Thanks for having me again. Love it. Hey, I need to ask you, you being a Jersey boy, 
how is that Jersey Beach this year, man? Jersey Beach is hot. It's either um, a thousand degrees or it's a hurricane. So I mean, yes for the middle, but that's not even an option. So it's it's hot, but um, definitely enjoyable if I could get out there without the rain. Oh my God! My, in my college years, I spent a summer in New Jersey, and oh my God, those summer weekends on the Jersey Shore were just what I remember was immaculate. I mean, just uh, fucking bar, immaculate. Bar hopping like crazy. Bar hopping. I mean, those East Coast women. Oh, my God. I mean, I dated for a month a girl from Long Island, and oh, my God, phenomenal. Crazy but fun. You know what? That was basically Danielle in a nutshell. Crazy but fun. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I told you. Yeah, dead on. Um, you have to have those. So you guys aren't here to listen to me talk about my glory stories about hooking up with chicks. We're here to talk about some fantasy football, and today we're talking about quarterbacks. So the format, like I said, we're going to list our top five, and then we're going to tell a player. We're going to fade and then tell a player that we like. So, Scotty, why don't you lead lead us off? Who is your number five quarterback? My number five quarterback, and for the record, we'll talk about chicks on another show. But uh, my number five quarterback, I'm actually going to go Kyler Murray. Um, Last year, I actually had Kyler Murray ahead of Lamar Jackson. I got a a lot of people yelling at me for it. But at the end of the year, you realize Kyler Murray did end up ahead of Lamar Jackson. But um, this year, I have Lamar Lamar Murray. (laughs) Kyler Murray at number five because... I actually had Kyler Murray last year, and once he got hit, he stopped running as much, and he's not going to have as many rushing touchdowns as he did last year. Um, He has tremendous weapons at the wide receiver position. Anytime you have A.J. Green as your number three wide receiver, um, you're going to put up some stats. He still has his legs, but um, my number five is Kyler Murray. My number five is I'm going with Josh Allen. Josh Allen was redonkulous last year. He was the leading scorer in fantasy football, putting up an insane 405 points. And historically, after a quarterback has led in terms of fantasy football scoring over, I think it's the last eight years, they've always taken a step backwards. And I'm looking for history to re- to repeat itself. A lot of cold weather up there in Buffalo as well. I just really think he's going to take a step back and he's not even, he's not going to come close to that historic year. So I'm going to put him at number five, number four, oh, Josh a stud. he's a stud, but like he, he reached the top. You know what I mean? Like what more can he do than the four Oh five? And I just feel like he's going to take that step back. And also I will give the bills offensive coordinator credit. That offense totally changed last year when they got Diggs, And I think, teams are going to see after seeing it a full a full uh, year and have film I think there's going to be a lot of adjustments too um who's your number four my number four uh Dak Prescott um if healthy last year before he got injured he was a top three quarterback um the Dallas Cowboys defense is horrific I think you could uh start clothing yourself up to play d-line for them um they're going to be uh eating the ball up they have great weapons and um, Lamb, uh, Gallup, and of course Amari Cooper, and I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to have a tremendous season this year. Um, he won't be able, not that Dak Prescott runs a lot, but um, he won't be scrambling much. But with the weapons and that bad defense, and how good has he has shown when healthy, 
Um, I have him as my number four. Now, I, I think the Cowboys' offensive line is going to be a lot better than it was. Did you see there's this one? It was I forget what game it was. It was kind of funny. There's an RPO, and Prescott and Zeke were literally fighting over the ball, and Prescott ripped it away from him and scored. Oh, I think God. I think it was the Browns game. It may yeah I think it was the Browns game if I if I'm not mistaken. But it was kind of that that was kind of funny to me. But yeah, I mean I think Prescott could have a huge year, but you hit on the head healthy you know he's coming off a major um, injury yes. and him at number four for me is um assuming he is healthy um my number four is russell wilson i mean if you look at the last three years 372 fantasy points 333 and a half fantasy points 298 fantasy points you're basically i mean you're guaranteed to get easily over 300 probably around 325 with him this year i think they're going to throw the ball a lot more because of the comments that have been said in the offseason. And I just really think Wilson is in line to have a huge breakout season, if you can even call it a breakout season. Because, like, he's just that guy consistently. He just always is fucking there, and he just puts up numbers, and I like consistency. So that's why I have Wilson at four. Who is your Uh, – yep. I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, Russell Wilson to me, he's not in my top five, but Russell Wilson is what you see is what you get. Um, he's probably a boring pick for people, but he is the safest, I think, out of all the quarterbacks, other than, of course, you get Mahomes. But um, Russell Wilson is a safe pick. Um, DK Metcalf, I think, is going to explode this season. Um, top, I mean, I'm Lockett, I don't think you or anybody realizes he had 100 catches last year. He's the most quiet wide receiver I've ever seen in the league. Um, Russell Wilson is is an absolute safe bet if you want in the middle rounds between seventh round to ninth round. And in terms, guys, think of it like this: like Russell Wilson. Now I'll refer it to chicks. He's not the super hot girl that could go out with you and you know is a bitch ninety five percent of the time. He's more of like the seven on a ten point scale. You can go to the horse track with, go to a game with, go to the casino, go to a movie. Go to the bar. And your mom loves him. Whatever. Or, well, that's kind of weird. I don't. I just. Uh, I just freak myself out. No, and your mom loves to date. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like nothing fancy, nothing sexy, just someone solid who gets the job done, and that. That's why I like Wilson a lot. Who's your number three? My number three, and I want to make this a point. Um, I hate drafting quarterbacks. I wait for drafting quarterbacks because um, after the fifth round, for this reason. The number three quarterback in fantasy seasons compared to the number 12 quarterback in fantasy seasons at year's end, the difference between fantasy points a game is less than five points. So the differential in quarterback differential is much smaller than any other position. So everybody, wait on quarterback. But with that said, my number three, Lamar Jackson. I think um, he beats out Kyler Murray this year. I, uh, I won with my prediction last year, but... I believe Lamar Jackson, he um, started off slow last year, and at the end of the year, he was rushing as many yards as running backs and also throwing for at least 200 yards and uh, throwing touchdown passes to Andrews. So Lamar Jackson as my number three. My number three, I went with Kyler Murray. You're obviously going to get the rushing yards, and you kind of hit in the head. He got hurt in the shoulder last year. Once he got hurt in the shoulder, he just completely stopped running, and that hurt his fantasy value. And even though he wasn't running, he was still relevant, putting up insane, huge numbers. 
So I think once he gets more confidence, being healthy, running, I think this guy he's going to go up. And also there is an under the radar signing. They signed Hudson to the offensive line from the Raiders. That right there is going to make that offensive line unit, which was a disaster last year, insanely better. So I really feel the improved offensive line is going to give Murray more time to survey the field. And when you have A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, you got the burners on the outside, Andy Isabella, Christian Turt, James Conner, Chase Edmond, there's a lot of weapons and a better offensive line and the running ability. I think I think Murray is going to be very solid this year. I was a little disappointed I wasn't able to get him in our in our fantasy football league, the Kings of Lions. True story, and you made some great points. Um, number two, who do you got? My number two, I have Josh Allen. I think he is a Ben Roethlisberger in his prime. He's a Cam Newton in his prime. He's got size. He's got arm strength. He's got weapons. Um, he likes to heave the ball, and when they're on the goal line, their running backs are um, questionable. I mean, Zach Moss, you would think, would be the guy getting the ball, but it was uh, Josh Allen running the ball in. Um, Diggs has been a tremendous um, upgrade at wide receiver position for the Bills, um, and they're playing in a division versus the Jets, a suspect. Uh, Patriots are supposed to be upgraded with defense, but I'm not sure with that, and um, it's a favorable matchup with the division, so I think Josh Allen's going to eat. And you hit in the head. like Everyone compares Josh Allen to these quarterbacks. He's basically Cam Newton and Cam Newton's prime. That's what he is. That's what I'm Arm saying, strength. Yeah. yeah, but I'm but you're the only one that like makes that compare comparison. No one else really makes that comparison. So I respect you for for realizing that and everything. Um my number two, it's Lamar Jackson. I mean, it is what it is with him. You're gonna get running yards. If his arm strength is anything relevant, you know, you're gonna get the passing yards. I think the improved wide receiver group is going to help him in the passing game. My one worry is I feel the offensive line losing Stanley and losing Brown isn't going to be as good as it's been the last couple years. So that's my one worry about Lamar. But after what I saw the last couple seasons, it's hard for me to put him lower, lower than two. It just is what it is with me. Can I add to you and um, what we mentioned uh, in a running back segment together? I'm sorry, uh, a tight end segment together. Um, the J.K. Dobbins is going to be upgraded this year, and I think that Lamar Jackson's going to have what Robert Griffin did healthy wise with the Redskins and Alfred Morris. There's going to be a lot of play actions, and there's going to be defenders that run towards Dobbins because Dobbins is going to be that good where people aren't going to just run towards Lamar Jackson. They're going to run towards Dobbins, and there's going to be a lot more option plays with the Ravens, I think, with your great points that the offensive line got weak. So you're going to see a lot of options, and you're going to see Lamar Jackson using his legs as often as he usually does. Now, I pretty much can guarantee you and I have the same number one. Go ahead, give it to me, Big Dog. He's he's, uh, basically this generation number one quarterback. He's the Peyton Manning He's a Tom Brady. 
He's Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs. It doesn't matter that they lost Sammy Watkins. This guy makes backward throws, flips. He's playing with injuries. The guy is a baller. I wish my Washington Redskins would get somebody half of Patrick Mahomes. And um, he's everybody's number one. I still not choose him in the draft. Unfortunately, I'll never have him on my fantasy team because I won't pick a quarterback that high, but... He is just a tremendous quarterback and the obvious number one. So my two points and then one point about what you just said. Mahomes had 380 fantasy football points last year, and that was considered a down season for him. Just let that sit in. 380 points, and that's considered having a down season, which is insane. That's number one. Number two, the big weakness of this Chiefs team, which the Buccaneers exploited in the Super Bowl, was the offensive line. Now, in I, for those that don't know, I am currently working on my fantasy football draft guide. I do offensive line rankings. I have this Chiefs offensive line rated in the top five with the additions that they've made. This unit went from a weakness to one of the better ones in the league. That's going to do nothing but elevate Mahomes even more when he doesn't have to worry about getting sacked. So, I mean, he's going to ball out this year. Now, to your point, you said that there's a difference of five points between what, quarterback five and quarterback 12, correct? Three. Quarterback three to quarterback 12 um, on a yearly basis is less than five-point differential on a game basis in fantasy football. So with that... Patrick Mahomes is, of course, a... Um, uh, the word I'm looking for is an exception. Uh, exception to exception the Exception because... Um, like you said, his down year was was elite status. He, he's just going to put up 30 points a game. But um, quarterback three to quarterback 12, it's less than a five-point differential. So with that being said, you and I do the same thing. I would much rather get a skilled player where the gap between running back three and running back 12 is huge and get running back three than quarterback three versus quarterback 12, if that makes sense. I am Scotty and I are saving drafting our quarterback to make our other skill positions better and then get a quarterback in the later rounds because we can make up the point differential with our other skilled position. So that's kind of like a strategy you and I both use while building our teams. Now, like I said last week, I'm a negative Nancy. Who is the quarterback that you are looking to fade? To fade? Yes. Um, if he plays, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, um, assuming he's playing this year. Um, he's coming off an MVP season, so people are going to remember the MVP numbers. Um, I think there's too much on his plate. We're assuming he's playing. That's why I'm picking this. It would be a nice, easy pick if he wasn't playing. I'd say that's zero fantasy points, but we're assuming he's playing. Um, they didn't help out. He's not happy with the organization. Devontae Adams is by himself. Um, Devontae Adams, for the most part, stayed healthy. Um, I mean, I think he was hurt for two games. They're extending the year. Um, I think there's going to be a down season for Aaron Rodgers, and unfortunately, I love him as a quarterback. This is going to be the uh, fading of his career. Yeah, I mean, you hate to see him go out like this, and it right. would surprise. I, his whole situation to me reminds me of this Le'Veon Bell situation when Bell kept on saying the same thing, he's not going to play, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, he is. He just never did. So the whole situation reminds me of that. Now, you're going to disagree with my fade because I know you love this guy. 
I'm fading Jalen Hurts. I mean, now this is the reason why. Now I understand. <laughs> <laughs> now the Eagles' offensive line, if healthy, which is a big if, has improved, and it will be better. But that's a big if. They were awful last year because of injuries, and they don't have any depth. So that's number one. I really question their offensive line if they can stay healthy. Number two, no one really expected what no one really expected anything from him when he went in, or and teams really really didn't have any game film on him. They are going to understand that they can play him the same way they play Lamar Jackson. Jalen Hurts is Lamar Jackson, but he's not as fast as Lamar Jackson, and his arm isn't as strong as Lamar Jackson, and he doesn't have the accuracy. I really think that teams are going to be crowding that offensive line and really force, really take the run away from him and force him to pass. And this wide receiver group, I really just, I don't trust of the Eagles. I like Dallas Galbert as much as you do, as you mentioned last week, with the tight ends, Devontae Smith. My, my, I can, if I can curl more than you, more than you weigh, and you play wide receiver in the NFL, in my eyes, you're too small. That's just the way I am. I'm sorry if that's a dickhead statement, but that's just the way I am. And every other wide receiver they have is a field stretcher. Now, you have field stretchers, and the quarterback doesn't have any arm strength? Like, I don't know. I just, I get it why people like him. I understand the thought process. But for me, I'm going back to my scouting of him when he came out of college. I just, I'm just not high on the kid. You, you, you have a right, but you're going to hear the other side of it right about now. <laughs> All right, let's hear it, big dog. All right, so my, um, I think my sleeper quarterback is Jalen Hurts. Um, I'm a huge Washington football fan, so I saw Jalen Hurts uh, twice last season. Um, before I started Instagram, uh, two years ago, I drafted Josh Allen. Um, in the 13th round, where nobody really knew who he was. He came off a rookie season that was shady, and he became a top-five quarterback, actually the top two. Last year, I have proof. I mean, that's only from my word. But last year, I have proof that I said Kyler Murray would be better than Lamar Jackson, which people questioned, and Kyler Murray was better than Lamar Jackson. This year, Jalen Hurts is going to have a Kyler Murray season. And my reasons for that is I watched them against Washington. They had a number two defense overall last year, and they couldn't stop him. I understand that the playbook, they're going to have time to read and um, read up and uh, make game plans to stop him. But for these reasons, you're in a division. You're playing the Dallas Cowboys twice. You're going to put up points. You're not running the ball against the Dallas Cowboys. You're going to have to throw the ball to try to catch up. You're playing the Washington Redskins. They're going to stop the run game, but I watched the games with the Washington Redskins, and they had trouble. They always have trouble with running quarterbacks. Then you're going against the New York Giants. They have an underrated defense, but the Giants upgraded tremendously in the offseason. Um, if they have a healthy Saquon Barkley, they have a Kenny Galladay. Um, Sterling Shepard, I think, is like their number three wide receiver. Evan Ingram, uh, Kyle Rudolph. It's going to be shootouts in the division. So that's six games where you're going to be playing from behind and having to throw the ball and run the ball and do anything you can. He's going to have to be a jack of all trades, and that's why I have him as this year's Kyler Murray. All good points, my man. All good points, and only time will tell 
which one of us will be on the right side. Watch, he's going to finish like quarterback 16, so both of us are kind of right. <laughs> right, the um, same, same stats. Now, actually, I gave you off air my one, but actually, you know what? I decided I have two. I just got reminded of one guy that's slowly moving up my um, my board, if you will. And you kind of gave it away when you're listing the Giants. Daniel Jones. Now, this is a make-or-break season from Daniel Jones, and I really think the Giants are doing everything in their power to give him what he needs to be successful. I mean, they have Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, um, Ingram. Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton. Kyle Rudolph, um, Saquon Barkley, but you know, I'll be, I will be honest. I'm a little worried about Barkley just because I really haven't been seeing anything about it. When Adrian Peterson tore his, his, um, his ACL, we're seeing videos this time of year of him, like jumping on benches in the park and doing sprints. I'm not seeing anything from Barkley. And the one person I know in the Giants organization told me he isn't progressing as fastly as the team had thought. But back to the original point with Jones, I think this team is just giving him weapons. They get Sodder back in the offensive line, which they greatly missed last year. They've been adding young pieces, and if those young guys eventually figure out the position, I think this team is going to be a little sneaky and a little bit fantasy relevant just because of all the weapons they have. So I I like Jones. Um, My sleeper that I gave you before we taped this, Carson Wentz. I mean, I do this thing every Wednesday. It's called Winner's Wednesday on my fantasy football account. And I'm just looking, I think Carson Wentz, I think I got him in what, the 12th or 13th round round in the King of Lions leagues. You look at the success that he had with Frank Wright way back when during the, um, his run in Philadelphia it is insane the success that he had. He, what was he, in 13 games, he had 3,296 yards, 33 TDs, and he finished as QB5 in fantasy points. And he averaged 21.83 fantasy points per game. If he would have played a full season, he would have been QB1. I just feel that with the success he's had in the right system, he's playing in front of the best offensive line he's ever played in with the Colts who have a top five unit. And he got humiliated last year when he got benched for Jalen Hurts. I really think oh, yes. he's yes, going to be insanely motivated. And just as you mentioned that they play, that the Jalen Hurts plays the Cowboys twice, Carson Wentz plays the Texans twice, who are going to be the worst team in football by far. The, Jackson Far- the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are young, but their defense isn't that good. And Titans added some key people in the draft on the outside for the cornerback position. But their defense was a nightmare last year. And who knows if those young guys are going to be able to keep up with the NFL game. So right there, that's, that's six games where he's going to be facing below-tier defenses. So I just really feel you factor all that in. I think Wentz is going to be able to win some people some leagues, and you're going to be getting him, like you said, 12th, 13th round. That's one of those guys that can lead you to a championship. That's 100% right, and everybody listen. He did say he got him in the 12th or 13th round, and yes, he is playing the Jaguars and Texans. Those are great points. 
and he is a good quarterback. Just got to stay healthy, but just like any other NFL player. And I really think, I mean, you and I both love offensive lines, and I really think that offensive line is going to help. So, Scotty, thank you, my man, for coming on and talking. Quarterbacks uh, next week, what do you want to do? You want to do wide receivers? You want to do running backs? You're calling my man. What do you guys man. want? What do you guys want? No, we'll do whatever you want. We could go with the wide receivers and save my favorite for last. We'll go running backs last. All right, so that's going to be the schedule, guys. Next week, we're going to be going wide receivers the following week. Running backs, Scotty, thanks for taking time out of your day to come on and talk a little fantasy football on this edition of Fantasy Football Outlook. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Thank you very much, Eric, for having me. You could reach me at Fantasy Football Wishlist on Instagram. You could go on YouTube and follow me and subscribe to Fantasy Football Wishlist and take a look on why I think Tom Brady is not the GOAT. Definitely worth a listen, guys, to that. Make sure you check it out. I checked it out after last week's episode. Make sure you give Scotty a follow, and we will talk to you, everyone, next week. I want to thank Scotty for coming on and talking about fantasy football quarterbacks. Obviously, I'm letting everyone know we did record that before the Aaron Rodgers news broke. So keep that in mind when you are listening to that. Scotty will be back next week when we jump into wide receivers. Really looking forward to that. That's it for today's episode. Guys, let's cash some tickets. Let's watch the Olympics and let's drink some beer and let's make some money. Best of luck in all your bets and I'll talk to you guys next week.